What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Welcome back to another episode of Founders Journal, an entrepreneur's personal diary made public for the world. Today, we are bringing back uh, an episode style that we've done a few times, listeners have liked. It is the mailbag. I think of it almost as like, uh, I was a big Blue's Clues fan, and I loved when I watched Blue's Clues and Steve would sit at his chair getting mail from listeners. That's basically what this is. We've gotten so many emails, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, over the last month or two from you all sharing stories about yourself, who you are, why you listen to the show, but specifically questions you have for me that you would love for me to answer in upcoming episodes. Sometimes we turn your emails into just full-blown episodes. Other times we will aggregate some of the best questions and we will turn them into a mailbag episode, which is what we are doing today. So before we hop into it, if you want any of your questions about entrepreneurship, building a media company, being a CEO or founder, running a business, if you want questions about that answered in an upcoming mailbag, shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com. So without further ado, let's hop into today's mailbag. Okay, so we are back with Producer Ray. Producer Ray is going to just pick some of uh, our favorite questions from previous uh, listener emails, and we're going to answer like three to five questions today, and we'll keep doing this, you know, let's call it every month or so, uh, so that we can answer some of your best questions. Producer Ray, say what up. Hey, what up, everyone? Excited to read some uh, listener questions. This was fun last time. Excited to do it again. Also, for those of you that hear me, if you think I sound weird today, as I was telling Ray, I have a canker sore on the tip of my tongue. It may be from letting my dog lick me too much recently. And so that's, uh, if I sound weird, that's why. But let's hop into this thing. Ray, let's start with the first listener question. Let's do it. All right. Trevor R. asks, as a bootstrap business ourselves, I'm curious how Morning Brew maintained a focus on the long-term brand while also focused on short-term profits. Great question. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I can answer this from the perspective of building a bootstrap business, but specifically a bootstrap media business, because every bootstrap business is different based on the industry, the cost structure, et cetera. The nice thing about a media business and especially a newsletter business, is that you can keep your costs really low for a pretty long time. And so when I think about the first year of Morning Brew, when I was a senior at the University of Michigan, the cost of our business was like a couple hundred dollars a month. Our only costs for the first year were MailChimp for sending out our emails, Heroku, which is what we use to host our website. And then we bought some swag to give to ambassadors when they would hit certain referral milestones. But that was basically it. So while there are absolutely decisions we had to make in the early years of the business as a way of driving profit, it wasn't like this massive focus on short-term profit because it wasn't that hard to hit profitability. But what I will say that we did is we were, and I think every bootstrap business or just every business in general should do this especially in the early years, is we were like religious about a single goal. We were maniacal about this one goal of making Morning Brew into the best daily business newsletter for millennials, bar none, and then have that newsletter be a self-sustaining business. And so because we were religious about this goal, we were ruthless about only spending time and money 
on things that helped us achieve that goal. So any activity in the business had to help us do one of three things, or we wouldn't do it. It had to help us write a better newsletter, grow that newsletter with the right audience, or get brands to spend money advertising in the newsletter. And we would just basically say, when we were thinking about spending money on something or hiring a new employee, if it didn't help us achieve one of those three things, we wouldn't do it. That said, there are absolutely concessions that we had to make in the early years of the business to make sure that we were getting to profitability or staying profitable to be able to fund the business. First, I would say like a classic trait of bootstrap businesses versus VC-backed businesses is in the early years you hire for potential, not experience. So like all of our early writers were people that weren't journalists because we couldn't afford journalists and we didn't have the legitimacy yeah. to mm -hmm. convince a journalist to join the brew. Or like our first salesperson we ever hired, we didn't hire someone who had done media sales at another media company because they would have been like, you know, 250000 plus dollars a year. We hired someone who was a junior seller at Yelp and they made the move into media. So you absolutely bet on potential over experience. The other thing, which is just a reality, is we accepted advertiser dollars that we wouldn't have necessarily accepted if profitability wasn't a focus. So it wasn't like we were accepting advertising dollars from like immoral or unethical companies, but I will say we were accepting advertising dollars from companies that if I had to pick a company in that given brand's category, they wouldn't have been the first brand I would have picked. And then the other thing you kind of trade off or you make concessions on is a lot of times you will trade paying for something with either sweat equity, like building it yourself or having someone else build it. So for example, when we started our ambassador program, we probably could have hired a company to run Morning Brews ambassador program, but we didn't have the money to do it. So we built our ambassador program ourselves and probably spent a thousand hours doing it versus spending 10 hours and money to hire a company to do it. Same thing with our referral program. There was software that was out there at the time that we could have paid for to just use for Morning Brews referral program. But instead, we found a developer on Upwork who was in Ohio, and we paid him $500 to build Morning Brews referral program. So you just learn to be scrappy and kind of trade time and effort for money you would have paid for the thing. So that's how I think about the trade-off of long-term brand versus short-term profit. For the advertisers that you took on early on, I mean, how much due diligence did you guys do? I would say a fair bit. Like we we researched the company, we would research reviews on the company. What I will also say is there were a few advertisers in the early days of the business that were responsible for like 25% plus of our revenue. And we had to deal with really difficult early experiences where we would get emails from readers saying they had a bad experience with the oh, advertiser. And that's a really difficult position to be in because even though the brand is the one who potentially did wrong by the reader, we are basically like the champion of that brand to the reader. So they hold yeah. us accountable to it. Like there were one or two advertisers that we stopped working with because we got enough of these emails from readers, but there were really difficult discussions we had where sometimes we would hear from one or two readers that they had a bad experience, but we didn't stop working with the advertiser. So those early days of being picky around who's funding your business, it's in theory, if you have an idealistic view of the world, of course, you're going to work with the best advertisers, right. but you don't always have the luxury to make those choices in the early days. And I think about that when with this question is because like the focus on long term brand, it's also not just the growth of your brand uh, at an early stage, but like the integrity of it, because, you know, as you know, if those fortunate enough to have a sustainable business, you people tend to go back and dig and say, okay, what kind of companies and brands have you worked with? And have you totally. always been, 
100% forthright. So, And in a perfect world, like the way we always thought about advertising is that people like have a bad perception of advertising. But our view is like advertising can be great if our advertisers copy is written in the way we write Morning Brew stories. And also if the brands that we're working with are good enough products such that if I was in, at the time I was living in a five bedroom apartment in Stytown, I was like, if I, if we are working with brands where I would get home from work, sit on the couch and recommend that product to my roommates, mm. then it actually feels like we're doing a service for our readers because we are elevating products they maybe haven't heard of in the world. And now they could become a customer and really enjoy it. Okay, uh, let's go to the next question. This question is from Luke K. He asks, I would love to see you cover the very early conceptualization of a business and the mental processes that help transition from conceptualization to taking action and really putting time into something. Do you think that with an idea that you want to take further, there are never thoughts that it could fall through and be a waste of your valuable time and potential resources? It's kind of a long question. <laughs> or if an idea has gone this far conceptually, is it always the case of trying it to at least attempt to find market fit and learn what the customers truly want? Said simply, how do you test a new business idea? Yeah, I take this as like, how do you test a new business idea? And how do you think about whether to increase the amount of time you spend on your business idea? So the way that I think about this is the time that you spend on a business looks more like a staircase rather than an escalator. Meaning if a business goes well, you will hit certain milestones that cause your baseline of mental and physical involvement to move up stepwise versus linearly. And so I kind of jotted down what I believe those milestones are roughly. First milestone is, I'm experiencing or I identified a problem and maybe I look into that problem more, but more likely I don't because most people don't pursue a business idea the first time they experience a problem. What ends up happening is you hit the second milestone, which is my brain thinks about this problem for the 10th time. I can't shake my interest in solving it, so I start learning more. I talk to friends about the problem. I do research on Reddit and Quora and Twitter about the problem. I Google other businesses solving this problem because 80% of the time, there's already someone who is solving this problem. And the question becomes, are the people out there solving the problem in the way you want it to be solved? The next milestone is, I think there's a way to solve the problem better than how it's being solved. So now I want to run a test to see if there is a, as my friend Jesse Puji says, if there's a there there. And so then next milestone is, I run a test and the results are promising. So now I want to build an actual product that, that customers can use. Next milestone is, initial customers are loving the product. Now I'm thinking about monetizing it to drive side income. Next milestone is I'm driving side income and now I have my site set on a revenue or user target such that if we hit it, I will go full time. Next milestone is mm -hmm. we're short of the, and this is what happened to me with Morning Brew, we're short of the target, but I feel confident that we can get to a place where I totally replace my income and I'm loving the time I'm spending on this side business now, so I'm going to quit. Next milestone is I quit and I'm full-time on this thing by myself or with my co-founder and maybe we have a contractor or two. And the final milestone is we hired our first employee. This thing is really real. And so this path is exactly why I don't view entrepreneurship as a leap of faith. And it's more like steps with measured risk. And I'm very visual. And so the way I visualize this is it's almost like if you're walking across a stream 
right? And you don't want to get wet. You're stepping on the rocks. Yeah. And so, but before you put your weight on the next rock, you feel it to see if it's stable or loose. That is kind of the way that you're testing the market and evaluating if there's too much risk or the right amount of risk to take that next step. Mm -hmm. And so to just make this a little bit more tangible, I want to share how I specifically tested the idea for StoryArb, which is my executive ghostwriting agency, because I did it again in this way where I put my foot on the next rock and I felt whether it was stable or not to determine whether I was going to spend more time on it. First, I did like the lowest risk thing. I posted on Twitter saying, if you're an executive that wants to build their brand on Twitter or LinkedIn, but doesn't have the time or the skill set, let me know because I know a great executive ghostwriter. And by the way, I didn't know an, a great executive ghostwriter at the <laughs> time I was just saying that. Few people DM me saying they were interested. So then once I had demand, I needed to find supply, which means like a good ghostwriter. So then I posted on Twitter saying, if you're a ghostwriter and want another client, fill out this application. I went through the applications and I selected the best ghostwriter based on their application and their writing exercise. And I paired them with the clients that had reached out to me. I charged the clients exactly what the ghostwriter charges because I didn't care about making a profit. I just wanted to understand how does the ghostwriting process work. And so what I did is I literally passed through the payment from the client to the ghostwriter. I added us all to a Slack and I told the ghostwriter, run your process with this client just like how you do any others. And I'm just going to observe how you work with them. Once I got a feel for it, then I said to the ghostwriter, for the next client, I'm going to handle all of the administrative stuff that you do, but it isn't related to creating content because I know all you like doing is creating content and I'll charge the next client a little bit more money so that I can start bringing in a little bit of profit so I can think about hiring an operator for the business. And so the next client, I charged $6,000 per month. The ghostwriter kept $4,000. I kept $2,000 of it. And I did that for four or five clients. And once we got there, I had enough profit coming in each month and an enough of a proof point with this business to then post on social saying, hey, I'm looking for a CEO for this business. And people would actually take it seriously. And so that's the way that I had these kind of like step changes in risk and involvement in StoryArb that matched the demand I was seeing for the business. And so that's how I think about testing ideas. I think that's pretty good general life advice too, in terms of how you approach any, th any new thing. I think sometimes when people set up goals for themselves, it's like the, the task or the objectives themselves just can be super daunting. But if you break things down, like you said, like taking one step at a time, whether it be eating healthier, working out or learning yep. a new skill, it's like, oh, okay, these these things become a lot more approachable and doable. Totally. And by the way, I think that it's that's why it's also really important to understand your own risk tolerance and your goals. Because by the way, one of the reasons I picked StoryArb is because the risk profile of this business was very low. I put $0 into this business in order to test it out. So the risk was only really my time. Whereas take another business that you know I started, which was The Plunge, which was my backyard game, to be able to get to a point where I knew if there was appetite in the market, I had spent $37,000 in the business. I probably had to spend $50,000 just to know, basically just to know if that rock was stable or if it was gonna tip over. And so that's why it's also important to know for any business you're thinking of starting, what is the level of risk that you need to take on in order to know whether there's something there? We're gonna take a quick break, but more from Founders Journal when we get back. All right, next question is from Jesse P. Uh, she asks, what's it like 
launching a new business, and being the chairman from day one? I think to answer this question, I first need to provide context on like why I wanted to be a chairman day one and not be a CEO again, at least for now. And the reason is, is first of all, spending five years as the CEO of Morning Brew and eight years in the business, I would say I had a pretty good perspective on just the amount of time and effort it takes to run a business and the amount of trade-offs that you have to make in your life in order to do that. And I think where I'm at in my life today as you know, someone who's married and I guess settled down in Hoboken with a dog, it looks very different mm -hmm. than my willingness to make trade-offs for the other things in life when I was a senior in college. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is after stepping out of the CEO role of Morning Brew and reflecting on how I wanted to spend my time, I generally got a sense of the buckets that I want to spend most of my time on. I wanted to spend time starting or operating businesses at just the early stages and then getting hands off. I wanted to spend my time talking to founders and potential founders. I wanted to spend my time consuming content and creating content to build up my distribution online. And I think the only way to actually do those things well is to not run the day-to-day -day of a business full-time. So that's the first piece. The second piece is, as I've become chairman for StoryArb, it has made me start to think about myself as a product. And that sounds kind of weird, but the reason I say that is like, when I started this business, right, like I'm taking a significant percentage of this company, mm -hmm. right? So one way I think about it, let's, I'm just gonna use a hypothetical number. Let's say I have 50% of this company. I have to basically, in my head, in, in good conscience, be able to justify to a CEO that I hire why I think what I offer to the business will increase the value of this business by 50% to make my stake worth it. That's mm. one of the ways that I think about it. And the other way that I think about it is if I'm a product, what are my like offerings? What are my unique abilities that right. accelerate this business? And I think for me, for different uh, venture studios or um, chairman, it's different things. Like I've met a few venture studios where their competency is tech. So they focus, they partner with, with CEOs and they have, you know, offshore dev teams in, India and Nigeria, and they are great at bringing products to market, and that's their competency. That is very much not my competency. My competency is creating content, so teaching founders how to build audiences online, me having my own audience, and, and honestly, like, that is the number one thing. Me having my own audience on Twitter and LinkedIn has really accelerated this business in a number of ways. The obvious way is just through customers. So every single one of our customers for StoryArb thus far have come through my Twitter and LinkedIn. But on top of that, I nice. found the CEO of StoryArb through my Twitter and LinkedIn, found our first employee through it, found all of our ghostwriters through it. So that's the first thing I offer. And the second thing I offer is coaching. It's taking my experiences and lessons as someone who built Morning Brew and helping the CEOs I'm working with reveal their blind spots and grow as operators themselves. I would say this has been my experience as a chairman, but I think it's really, it goes for any leader or manager. There is this very careful balance that I've realized between trusting the CEO you hire, but also making sure that they're not making critical errors 
that could right. jeopardize the business. Right. And it's very topical because, you know, something I talked about with the CEO of StoryArb, because, you know, we have a very transparent relationship in terms of how we communicate with one another, is the CEO shared with me that sometimes it's difficult for them because they, they feel like either they're being tested by me or like when I'm asking questions, they feel like there's kind of an agenda behind those questions that I'm testing mm -hmm. them to see if kind of they're worthy of the role. Sometimes they feel like I'll involve myself in things that I just need to trust them on. Again, this is my first time starting a business where I'm acting as the chairman. So like I've said to them, my ultimate goal is I want them to know that I trust them. It's why they're in the role. And I trust them with the vision of this business. And my goal is to help them reveal blind spots that they're not aware of in kind of their own management and leadership, as well as help on the few things that are a competency of mine that are not a competency of theirs. So in the context of this business, it's content strategy and vetting ghostwriters and things related to great storytelling, because that's not their competency, but it is mine. So that's a very careful balance. And I would say that exists for any sort of like leader employee relationship. Okay, let's go. We have two more. Terrence J asks, what's your ultimate goal with StoryArb? You probably touched upon this a little bit already. Yeah, I would say there's three ultimate goals. One personal, two professional. Personal, very, very honestly, it's, you know, at some point in the future, I don't know when it'll be, when I'm no longer at Morning Brew, I will no longer be making a salary from Morning Brew. I think at a personal level, as how can StoryArb be a lifestyle business, that cash flows off enough money for me to provide for my family and supplement the salary that I get from Morning Brew. There's two professional goals. The first professional goal is I just deeply believe that audience is like one of the greatest untapped assets for people on the internet. I have seen the value it's given to me and I know it can bring value to so many subject matter experts online. From a mission perspective, I feel very excited about the idea of untapping the potential for tons of really smart executives to have this asset, to build this asset online. The second professional goal is I actually see StoryArb as the foundation for other businesses. And what I mean by that is, let's just use an example. We have 12 clients right now for StoryArb who are subject matter experts in different industries, one in self-storage, one in buying agency and content businesses, one in CPG and product development. The way I think about it is they are paying us to help them build authority within their niche online. Let's say we get the self-storage person from 5,000 followers to 25,000 followers on Twitter and LinkedIn. What's exciting to me is the idea of going to that client who we've built a qualified audience for and saying, hey, now that we've built this qualified audience, what if we launch a business together off of it? Let's figure out something that your audience of real estate developers and investors really wants from you. Let's build a product. You will be almost like the way that I am the distribution for StoryArb. You will be the distribution for this new business. You will be the brand. I will find an operator to run this business and we can create a cash flowing business off of your audience. And so the idea is, how can we actually leverage the audiences that we're paid to build to build businesses off of those audiences, if that makes sense? Uh, next question, last question we've got is from Mike N. Did your motivation change after selling your business? 100%. I was super unmotivated after selling Morning Brew. It was a really bad feeling. This is a relatively common thing for exited founders. I know like my buddy Jesse Puji has talked about this publicly also where he felt no motivation at all. When I reflect on why that is, 
I think it's based on what motivated me kind of the first time around. I would say 70% of my motivation, or not 70, 60% of my motivation for Morning Brew was financially driven. Uh, financially or status driven. I think partially financially driven because I have this brain wiring of a feeling of financial insecurity, even if it's not rational. I also felt this obligation of putting my family in a good financial spot after my dad passed away and there was no breadwinner in my family. And I think from a social status perspective, and by the way, this is like in deep introspection that I've done that has taken a long time. So it's not like one day I woke up and it was like, these are the things that motivated me. I think from a social status perspective, I think very simply growing up, going to a private school where I didn't feel like I belonged, being bullied, never feeling like I was part of the like popular group. It created a need for me to feel a sense of belonging and importance. And I think Morning Brew became that vehicle to do so. Once we sold the business, when money was no longer as much of a motivator, and when social status wasn't as much of a motivator, it left a gap, it left a void because those things were no longer driving motivation. And so what I've found is like the things that have to drive motivation in this next chapter for me need to be more intrinsic. They need to be driven by either a love for learning and curiosity, or they need to be driven by a desire to build something that is impactful, that I am aligned with the mission on. Otherwise, I just don't think I can manufacture motivation through kind of these more external factors anymore. And it so sounds like, Today, you are a lot more focused on the help aspect of other founders, you know, totally. builders, entrepreneurs, like the satisfaction that you are giving advice and providing a service to other founders, as opposed to Morning Brew, which is, you know, helping others, you know, informing them of the news, which is um, a form of help in and of itself, but very different factors, right? Very different motivations, it sounds like. Definitely. And I think it's less about what the product, like I think Morning Brew does help a lot of people, but I think it's more about what was driving my interest in building it up was different the first time around. And by the way, that's like why after spending a year on angel investing, I ended up deciding I hated angel investing because my desire to partner with founders is not to partner from a monetary perspective. Yeah, it's to partner from like, yeah, exactly. It's to partner from a knowledge and support perspective. And so I'd way rather like advise a business that I'm deeply invested emotionally in, then put $10,000 or $25,000 into a business and talk to the founder once every six months. All right, well, that's it. Well, this was a fun one. Second time around. I feel like these get better each time. I hope you all, Founders Journal listeners, enjoyed this. If you want a question that you have, whether it's about building businesses, a new startup idea you have that you want us to take through the ringer, whether it's around leadership, whether it's around media and building an audience, any questions you have that you think I am qualified to answer, shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com and we will either turn your question into an episode in the future or we'll aggregate some of the best and turn it into a future mailbag. So until next time, thank you so much for joining Founders Journal. We'll catch you next episode.